Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today on the I Work For Him show, we've got a first. We've got Rick Box with Integrity Resource Center on the show for the first segment of the show to talk about Integrity Resource Center. Rick, welcome to the I Work For Him show right here in Tampa Bay. Uh, Well, thank you, Jim. It's great to be with you. You know, it's just a privilege. My wife ran across your website as we were doing research back in in May, saying, hey, we've got to to talk to this guy. This looks really cool, what he's doing. And so we want to make sure we got you in the show. We're only going to be able to bring you on for a little bit today, but we are going to bring you back and spend a whole hour talking about what you're doing at Integrity Resource Center. But today we're just going to get a little snippet, and then I want to end making sure that in this first 15 minutes we get a chance to talk about those, those integrity moments, because those integrity moments we want to bring on our I Work For Him program as soon as we can. So first, just talk about, you got introduced to workplace ministry over 20 years ago. How did you get introduced? Did you hear about it at church? No, I didn't. Actually, I heard about it at work. I was working in banking, and I uh, changed jobs, and I was asked to be chief lending officer of a uh, bank, and they brought in a new bank president at the same time. And this guy, the very first day I met him, he said, Rick, if you're going to work for me, you need to know my priorities in life, and God's first, family's second, and this bank is third. And at that stage in my life, I'd been running from God for a long, long time, and I was a workaholic, and I remember being puzzled how this guy thought he could run a bank if it was third on his list of priorities. But as I worked for him, 
every time I tried to get a decision out of him, he would uh, either pull out the Bible or he would quote a proverb or he would tell me about a principle in Scripture and tell me this is what I think we ought to do because this is what the Bible teaches. And I had never had a boss do that to me before and pull out a Bible, and I thought it was kind of crazy at first until I kept watching and seeing that these decisions that we were making according to biblical standards were actually working. And God began using that to soften my heart up that had been hardened against him for so long that I finally just got entranced with what was going on in that, and God used that man and some other circumstances to bring me into a relationship with Jesus. And then I went headlong into saying, hey, what else does the Bible have to say about business? And it was really out of that journey that I uh, finally woke up one day and found out that God was calling me in to begin trying to minister to business people so that they would also see the practical application of Scripture. Hmm. i got to tell you, there are people listening today all over Tampa Bay and around the world that are thinking... I've never heard this concept mentioned, period. They're new listeners to I Work For Him, or there's they're people that have been going to church all their lives, and they're like, I've never even heard this concept that the Bible has stuff to say about business, that the Bible is a practical tool. And so what a gift you were given so many years ago to have a boss that said, hey, I'm going to look at the Bible before I look at anything else to tell me how to do business. I think that's just fantastic. Yes, it was an amazing model and example to learn from and especially whenever I started seeing the practicality of it, because business was my passion, and suddenly God was speaking into my area of passion, and it really just mesmerized me. So talk about what the Integrity Resource Center is doing. You know, we are a comprehensive, biblically-based resource hub for people to be able to get connected with content and resources and other organizations, whatever they need, in order for them to be able to uh, truly understand the practical nature of Scripture and how to apply it. And so our, our vision is really uh, seeing one million leaders that are actually doing business God's way. And so we're at it just trying to uh, help in any way that we can with uh, the business community to better understand what this means. And so we, uh, we touch a lot of people through our Integrity Moments that you mentioned earlier. It's a daily radio program on over 250 stations, and it also goes out as a broadcast email that reaches as many as 2 million people. And that's a tool that we use to just kind of do a short vignette to drip on people, practical workplace stories with a uh, biblical principle woven into it so that people could start to understand what we're talking about and then out of that, that drives a lot of traffic to our websites. We have a lot of tools and resources and assessment tools and things uh, on our website that will help people start to dig in and go a little deeper in being trained and equipped to actually live out and model God's principles in their workplace. Well, and I want to make sure that in the short time that we have today, you talk about the FIRE assessment. Because yeah. I think that that's, that's a huge resource on your website that I think could really open people's eyes. Yes, it's a real cool tool. That uh, It's a simple self-assessment tool. It's free. We have a version for employees and a different version for employers. And people can go on and they can take this assessment. It's broken into five sections. It only takes seven, eight minutes to do. 
and then they'll get a, a report back immediately that gives them their scores in each section, and then it compares their scores to the average scores of all the people that have taken this assessment. And so it's an eye-opener for many because these questions come straight out of Scripture, and people start seeing that, boy, maybe I'm not doing quite as well as I thought in this area, uh, or maybe there's something here that I need to really explore and dig into, because I never thought Scripture taught that. And so it's really a great tool to just kind of open people's eyes to see how well are they really doing in this kind of life. So on your website, they can get all kinds of resources, but some of the things that really stuck out my mind, they could sign up for your daily devotional, this daily podcast to be sent to them. You're saying that that can right. happen? Okay. Yeah. And they can also yeah. take this in t- the the FIRE assessment, which is either for employees or for employers, where they can find out more about, re- really, it's, it's helping them with the perspective on how they're looking at business, correct? I mean, how they're looking yeah. at their workplace. And so your, your website, a- as that hub for information, is a great spot to go. So that's Integrity Resource. Org, integrityresource.org. We'll put that on our Facebook page tonight, but integrityresource.org. You know, one of, one of the things I really wanted to end with, I love your statement. You want to see one million business people learning to do business God's way. And I got to tell you, when I read that the first time, I said, that's what I want for I Work For Him. I want I Work For Him to be part of a movement that you've started, Rick, 20 years ago. To have a million people learning to do business God's way. But I think we need to take that up. We need to get it to 100 million people. Because if we could get it to 100 million people in America learning to do business God's way, our country would be changed. Absolutely. Rick, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's a short time today, but I really want to bring you back. We'll bring you back in October, November, but we'll talk more about the Integrity Resource Center. You can find out more about Rick Box and Integrity Resource Center at integrityresource.org. Rick, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. We're about ready to start talking about contentment as one of those holy habits of a Christ follower, healthy holy habits of a Christ follower. But before we get started with our discussion about contentment, I want to highlight the book that I highlighted yesterday when we had guest, the guest on our show was Carrie, author Carrie Wyatt Kent, and her book was called Rest, Living in Sabbath Simplicity. But today's book segment, of course, is brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over... 29 years. Just making sure Martha's paying attention. Located in the center of the First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Ulmerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot stores open to the public... Seven days a week. Check them out online at... ShopCaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S dot com. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, and get a copy of the book and a gift card to Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Carrie Wyatt Kent invites readers to rediscover the ancient practice of Sabbath in this practical and accessible book. Based on what Jesus taught about the Sabbath and how he practiced it, Carrie explores six aspects of Sabbath as Christian spiritual practice, resting, reconnecting, revising, pausing, playing, and praying. I will tell you that as Martha and I have stepped back in doing a lot of ministry, that resting is one of those key things you have to do in order to stay recharged and refreshed each and every day. This is an excellent book. I recommend that you get this book. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And if you missed yesterday's show when we talked with the author, Carrie Wyakent, you can download the, or you can listen to the podcast. Just go to iworkforhim.com and listen to the what am I trying to say? Just the listen. Archive. The archive. There that's the go. word. The archive. And remember, you got to read this book. 
Don't wait for the movie. All right, I intend to always have fun on the show. When I screw up, I intend to just just celebrate those mess-ups. Embrace I just, it. I, I just want to embrace it. All right, we've got Martha in the studio today, and we're going to talk about one of our favorite things that we learned as a result of going through Crown Ministries. I would say that this is the thing that really it made a huge impact on our marriage. And I thought, as we're talking this week about the healthy, holy habits of a Christ follower and those things that we really need to have instilled in us as we walk, as we learn to walk with our Heavenly Father, contentment was something that... You know, when we started taking Crown Ministries in 1999, that was probably the one thing I, I thought I already knew everything the Bible had to say about giving. You know, we already understood it all, but what we didn't understand was the mindset, the the mental state that we weren't in, and uh, the uh, learning to be content. It, it's become my life first. Yeah, and I think one of the things that actually resonates well with what um, you guys were talking about yesterday with the Sabbath even is that um, contentment isn't like, i got to be content. It is a gift that God gives, much like we learned yesterday that Sabbath was actually a gift from our Lord, not a, um, a reward for a hard day's work or a hard week's worth but actually a gift at the beginning of the week. And I think contentment, the same thing that we'll talk about today a little bit, is it's about the heart and um, the good that comes from it, not that it's something we just have to do. But this is a business show, and, and we're talking about contentment. Mm-hmm. How How is that a conflict? As we talk about this, and no, I don't expect you just to answer this question, but how is this, you know, when we're business people, we're not supposed to be content with our current sales. We're not supposed to be content with, um, you know, with where our business is. We're always supposed to be growing our business. How does contentment fit into the walk the, the Christian walk is a healthy, holy habit for a Christian business owner. Well, what, what's your perspective on that? Hmm, I think having, having the right mindset, doing the business for the right reasons, not because you just want to smash the competition, um, but that you want to grow your business. You know, those are good decisions that are made. And having contentment in the middle of that. I think comes from knowing that you're where God wants you to be. You know, one of the things that I think that it really impacted us is, you know, when we were at, in 1999, we had built our dream house. Uh, we were living in the frozen tundra of Minnesota. We built our dream house. We had bought a chain of insurance agencies. We were we were living large. We thought it was great. We were keeping up with the Joneses, as everybody says. And and really, what we what we realized is that there was how much money was going to be enough, and we realized that just a little bit more was the case, and that we had set our lifestyle to be so accelerated that we were going to have to produce a tremendous amount of income just to support our lifestyle, and that it wasn't really necessary. And so I think the, the way contentment really fits in for the Christian business owners, you say, okay, hey, my goal is I'm going to set my wage at X. And with that X, we can make, we can live a very comfortable life. We can support the house that we've got, the cars that we have. We can put money in the bank and set aside money for retirement and put the kids in school wherever they need to be. But X is where we're going to set it at. And after that, I'm going to learn to be content that any extra beyond that is going to be dedicated to what the Lord drives my heart to be. And so learning to be content with a certain amount of wage instead of saying, well, this year I'm content at 50000 and next year I'll be content at 75000 and next year I'll be content at 100000 and the next year I'll be content at a million, and the next year because there's no contentment in that. And that, you know, part of the reason that God 
blesses us is not to increase our standard of living. He blesses us so that he can increase our standard of giving, increase our standard of giving. And I think that that's the biggest blessing that Christian business owners and Christian employees miss out all the time is that they keep thinking that they get all this money so they could spend it on themselves when everything they spend it on is going to end up in a dumpster someday or a (laughs) landfill or it's going to get burned up. But when we invest in things that are permanent, that are eternal, those are the things that really pay off. And that's why we're talking about contentment today. We're talking about contentment because without contentment, you're always searching. Well, without contentment, you look just like Bill Gates. You're worth $73 billion and you go to work every day. That is the stupidest thing ever. That's, as Dave Ramsey says, stupid as a sandwich and even duct tape can't fit, fix stupid. So that's what we're talking about contentment because contentment is what changed our lives, changed our marriage. It really changed our marriage. It did. So why don't you share the verse that we learned contentment. Well, about. and I got to tell you, this verse, this became my life verse because as I learned this, I, I never understood it. I've read it before. I've read through the Gospels. I've read through the New Testament 30 times. But every time you read through it, of course, new things jump out at you. And when we had to memorize this verse as part of Crown Ministries, I'm like, ah. Oh. So this is why I can't get contentment. Okay, so this is Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Hey, and again, we still got a great book to give away and a gift card. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. You get a copy of the book on rest. And yes, rush to the phone so you can learn how to rest. And you get a copy or get a gift card to Karis Christian Books and Gifts. All right, so the verse, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Am I feeling more relaxed today, honey? You're doing great. Because yesterday Martha said I sounded just rushed all day. And, and I, I hate that. I had no caffeine yesterday either. Okay. All right. So Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along in humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And a lot of people will re- recognize that last part because Tim Tebow had that plastered on his eye, uh, under his eyes playing football. Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But earlier in the verses, that 11 was was the thing that impacted me most. I have learned to be content. And understand that the context of this verse, Paul, Paul was a rich dude before he met Jesus. Paul was at the height of his career. He was a religious zealot. He was making all kinds of cash. And when he met Jesus, this is the thing that goes in, in the face of those, uh, uh, those prosperity gospel preachers. Read this verse. Because... Paul was a rich dude, and he met Jesus, and he got poor. He got beaten. He got shipwrecked. He got bit by a rattlesnake. He, he, all these things happened. He didn't get rich again, but it didn't matter to Paul. He learned to be content, whether he was rich or poor, whether he was hungry or filled, you know, whether he was uh, living in abundance or suffering need, he learned to be content where he was at. He didn't find contentment from the things he had. He found contentment from Christ. And dis- despite where he was, he learned to be content. And and we all know that as he's reading the Gospels, the majority of the Gospels were written from prison. And he was content in prison. So this is something we need to learn. So Martha, I asked this, this question. I want to make sure we talk about it. Is contentment an action word? Hmm. Well, I think it is. 
in the sense that we have to actively um, think about it, be intentional, and allow God to teach us contentment so that then we can relax in that contentment. So I think it's not something you constantly are striving for, but maybe praying for that that God is showing you contentment. No, and I understand. You know, when I look at it, I, I wrote that because I, to me it was an action word because I had to learn it. Mm-hmm. it. It was like learn how to ride a bike. It was probably about as painful as learning how to ride a bike. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was like learning to wow, learning to control my temper. It was like learning to forgive. Um, you had to learn this. This was something that didn't come easy because we were living in a world that. Uh, we had successful people all around us. We were we were we were we were up and coming, and we learned. We just said, you know, we're going to step back from this. Let's let's live a different life. We don't want our life to be driven by the stuff that we have. Let's just step back. I think a lot of people can understand that um, word picture of like a hamster on a wheel and constantly striving for something and never getting anywhere. And that's how you can feel. If you don't have any contentment in your life, because there's always that got to reach for a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's really not about the stuff, but it's about the heart. Yeah. Hamsters on the wheel. I love that because hamsters on the wheel. If you got two hamsters in a cage and Martha loves hamsters because they're cute, they look just like mice. You know, they could run all day on that on that wheel. Not only do they never get anywhere. They're also still fat little hamsters. I don't even get that. I don't even get that. But they're cute, right? No. And they make this squeaking sound. Okay. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Oh, Martha doesn't like I'm talking sorry about Sorry I mice. brought that up. All right. <laughs> Martha, as we've talked about contentment, one of the things that we said is that this is something that really revolutionized our marriage because we stopped pursuing, well, we just stopped pursuing the piling on of stuff. And it really made a huge difference in our lives. It did. But then I was mentioning to you just that, you know, it's easy to get sucked back into the <laughs> the different mode of, you know, seeing advertisements, especially, you know, Christmas time, things like that. I want, I want, I want. And really trying to um, just keep ourselves grounded in that is really important. Two really great things. And, and by the way, I want to invite you to join in the conversation. If you have a comment or a question for us, just text us into the show. 727 487 9863. You know, one of the things I think that has really helped us maintain contentment, number one, we stopped looking at the ads on Sunday. Number two, we don't have TV, we just have Netflix. So no commercials! <laughs> and we stopped going shopping all the time. We did. I mean, I think one of our favorite things to do when we first got married was go to Shopcoat. Now, that's a Midwest company. They're not down here in Florida. But that'd be like going to Walmart. And, and just, you know, we just stopped shopping all the time. And we stopped shopping together. <laughs> now that sounds bad. We don't do it together, but it, at least you know we didn't feed off of each other. Or something like, oh, I want this, or why don't we get this? Well, when I go shopping, I want to buy something. I know, and especially when you're hungry. Well, that, like right now, I'm hungry. We could use a restaurant sponsor that's willing to bring in food into the studio, and we will give you huge billing if you bring in food. All right, we're, Todd's trying to figure out how to order a pizza while we're on the air today. Okay, so <laughs> talking about contentment, I think that, well, let, let's just go with, you were listening to Dave Ramsey the other day. I was. Um, Dave Ramsey's on right before this show. We follow Dave Ramsey Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. We do. Soon to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Which is really cool. So yes. I've been listening to him more, which is wonderful. And there was a caller that called in, and it really kind of bothered me because the focus of the caller was saying, you know, my parents are older and they don't have a lot of money, but they're supporting a missionary in another country. And as a result, he didn't think that they had the money that they should have for 
fancy meals and and eating out and things like that. He said, in fact, my parents are eating rice and beans because they're helping to support a missionary. And my thoughts went to those parents made a decision to sponsor a missionary and they were, I'm assuming, content to eat rice and beans if it meant that they could help a missionary spread the gospel in another country who was probably eating rice and beans. So it just, it was such a twist on it because he was worried that they weren't living life to the fullest here in America when I would bet that if they decided to sponsor missionaries that they were content with making some cutbacks in order to do that. And I think a lot of times we let pride get in the way and just, you know, well, we can't give up something for somebody else. And it just really struck a chord with me that um, when we choose to do something sacrificially and and that's directed by God, it gives us a contentment to do things that may be a, gift, a different than how the world thinks we should do things. Going back to, of course, Romans 12, too, and not conforming. Yeah, and letting your mind be transformed right. by the renewing of your mind. All right, so it, it says in First Timothy 6, 6 and 7, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we could take nothing out of it. There are no U-Hauls behind the caskets. You take nothing with you. You came naked into the world. Well, you probably don't go out naked, but, well, you know, you don't get to take anything with you. <laughs> All right, so, but as a as a business person, as somebody working in the business field, this contentment thing is so tough because you're, you're around people all, all day long that have nicer office furniture, that have nicer offices, they drive nicer cars. And, and what was one of the, let me see if you can get this now, we're doing mind reading now. What was one of the things we learned about keeping up with the Joneses that was one of the most miraculous things, it was just such a mind shifter for us, such a paradigm shift, that all that time we were trying to keep up with the Joneses when in fact, do you remember? That empty space is no, she doesn't. You can yeah, say I'm no. Not, I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I'm sure it's going to be really good. Okay, good. All right. No, we learned that we're all, all we're doing all these things to try to keep up with the Joneses or the Joneses business when we realized that the Joneses are up to their eyeballs in debt. Mm-hmm. It's like that commercial. It was an old commercial oh, yeah. five or six years ago. <laughs> this guy driving around a lawnmower all his front yard. I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. I can't make my house payment. I can't pay for my cars. Help me, somebody. I'm drowning in debt. And all along, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, and they're drowning in debt. Both their cars are have loans on them. Their house mortgage, they had a, a, a 80% mortgage and then another home equity line. They got credit card debt. Why would you want to keep up with people who can't pay their bills? Yeah. And unfortunately, if you remember that commercial, the guy looks like he's smiling and fake happy on his well, He's riding a lawnmower. How cool is that? You know, but it's probably needed to be paid for as well. So. Yeah, it was on his credit card. Yeah. So that was one of the things that we really learned is that we're trying to keep up with people who are in debt. Mm-hmm. And and that debt was destroying them. It was destroying them. And, so, and not that contentment is all about money, because it's not. But in our society, learning to be content means you've got to just look at things differently. All right, so let's talk about some of those things that can rob us of contentment, Martha. Well, you brought up the one thing. Um, we used to get the newspaper, I think, every day at one point. And well, then, we did. I like to read it. I know. You love to I read it. I don't like to read but, it anymore. But on Sundays, I would get consumed with looking at all the ads and all the things that I could save money if I would go and buy them while they're on sale. And 
you know, even the coupons in them sometimes led me to want to spend more money than we really needed to spend. So that is something that was a really a contentment robber. And I remember our pastor years ago preaching on that and saying, go home and cancel the newspaper if it because he was preaching on contentment and saying it stirs up a lot of desire in us that we don't need to have. Yeah. TV commercials are another thing to feed it. Mm-hmm. But again, twisting this to the business side of it, you know, you're looking at those office furniture catalogs <laughs> or you. You, uh, you know, there are all kinds of your friends who bought into that program. Listen, I think what you need to do is buy a 6,000-pound vehicle so you can write it off on your taxes, and then and then it, it's a tax write-off. That would be a great idea. That's what your business should do. So they're all driving these fancy vehicles, paying a billion dollars for gas, and you're driving around your Geo Metro. Yes, that dates me. I understand. <laughs> but, you know, their vehicles, you know, been paid for by tax income, but instead they could have taken that income and maybe fed a nation instead. But it's that... We look at our other businesses, we're like, well, he's driving a cooler car, they're living in a bigger house, or, or they've got nicer office furniture, or they're, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's this comparison thing. We used to go to open houses, too. That was a contentment robber. Oh, Going like, and looking at houses that were for sale when we really weren't in the market to buy a new house. We were looking for decorating ideas. Oh, yes. <laughs> but it also stirred a lot of discontent. Oh, absolutely. They're building these new townhouses down the street from us in Indian Rocks oh. Beach. Oh, they are so sweet looking. But I'm not moving. I'm dying where I am. <laughs> well, as long as you are willing to stay, honey. Okay, so what else? What are the, some other contentment robbers? Um, hanging out with people that are discontent. Ooh, big one. Yeah, spending time with them, hearing, you know, all the things that they wish they had or that they were striving for. Um, I think that can really make you feel like, oh, there's things I need to be out there looking yeah, for. You need to surround yourself with people who are learning to be content. If you want to learn to be content, and, and by the way, we're getting a lot of these ideas. We got them out of Crown Financial Ministries. If you haven't taken, if you are a Christian couple or a Christ follower, and that's not a couple, so you're single or married, doesn't matter. If you haven't taken Crown Financial Ministries, you need to sign up today. Go to crown.org, get signed up, and you'll find a local church. Bob Swatland's the local area representative here. It changed our lives. Okay, so we've talked about contentment robbers. Just avoid television commercials. That's why they have the <laughs> TiVo. Uh, you get Netflix. There's no commercials. You know, Don't read magazines that are constantly telling you need new stuff. Stop shopping when you don't need to shop. And surround yourself with people who are like-minded. Those are huge things. But what about some contentment givers? Well, I think one of the things, which is what started us in this whole journey, was really going to the Scripture and learning what God has to say and trusting in what He teaches us in the Bible. So filling your your heart with scripture um, about contentment and learning about it for yourself. And again, we're talking about surrounding ourselves with people who also are like-minded, who also want to be content so that they can just, you know, so that their life isn't running them, they're running their lives. That was a huge thing. But reading your Bible, just really learning that, again, as a Christ follower, we are not guaranteed a financial huge financial rewards. We're not guaranteed rewards at all. There are a lot of people who died for their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, how did it work for Job? Not a good day. He had a bad day. <laughs> he lost everything but his wife. And she was angry with him. And that's a whole other sermon series. What else, Martha? What do you got? One more. Um, 
Establishing a thankful attitude. I think being thankful for all the things that God has given you. One of my favorite canvases I sell in my store says, what if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you thanked God for today? Today we're talking about contentment. And you may ask yourself, what does that have to do when you're talking about Christians and business and learning to look at your workplace like a mission field? Contentment. Discontent is something that drives people in the wrong direction. Contentment sends you down the path where God wants us to be. So, Martha, you got a little story you wanted to tell. I did. This is a story about a little farmer, and he lived on the same farm all of his life. And it was a good farm, but with every year, the farmer would find more things wrong with it and get tired of what he had. And um, so then one day he decided he was going to sell his farm. So he hired a realtor who wrote up this wonderful sales flyer talking about all the great points of the farm, how it had a great location, modern equipment, healthy stock on acres of fertile ground. And before she ran the ad in the paper, she called the farmer to read it for his approval. And the farmer listened to it, and then he cried out, Hold everything. I have changed my mind. I'm not going to sell my farm. I've been looking for a place like that all of my life. And just like the farmer, you and I can constantly be looking for something better. But uh, deep in our hearts... We know that we want something more, and as followers of Christ, we need to be a living illustration of contentment. You know, I think probably the biggest demonstration of God's work in my life, personally, with regard to contentment, is our cars. (laughs) You know, uh, Martha and I, uh, we got married in 1986. Yes, we've been married 28 fantastic years. Uh, We had a perfectly great car that my parents gave us, and uh, and it was paid for, and it had like 60,000 miles on it. It was a Ford, of course. I wasn't much of a Ford fan. But then we went ahead, and there was this great deal out there. Ford came out with 1% financing, or 2.9% financing, on, on brand-new Ford Escorts in, in, 2000, in 1986. And so I'd always loved the Ford Escort wagons. Yes, I know, that's ridiculous. And so we bought this car, and we had a, all of a sudden we had a car payment. And so throughout our lives, from, from the mid-'80s to the early-'90s, we had owned, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 different cars. Because I was always a car freak. I, I loved owning cars. And I had friends who were car dealers, and that was a bad bad thing, too. They weren't bad people, but I just loved it what they did. Your, it your, fed my <laughs> lust of cars. And, and so, really, I set a goal personally in the 90s, early 90s, that I wanted to drive a different car every week. And so, Martha and I became car dealers in addition to our chain of insurance agencies. And from 94... Until sometime, well, right at the beginning of 2006, I drove a different car at least every week. So 15, you know, not 15 years, 12 years. And I was very discontent. And But God had been working on my life. I got tired of driving different cars. And when we sold our car dealership and, and decided we weren't going to sell cars down here in Florida anymore... We had to go practical. And so we bought you a, a used convertible, so we at least had something fun to drive. And then I got a minivan. A minivan. And what's incredible, now since 2006, I've been driving a minivan. Now we still have our second minivan. It's got 213,000 miles on We celebrated 200,000 miles earlier this year. <laughs> and that was the miracle of contentment. Nobody in my family has ever owned a car to 200,000 miles ever. And God had done that in my life. Not only that, but he, we did it in a minivan. We're still driving this minivan. Our kids haven't ridden with us in five years. One of them's married off far away. Adult our, children. Our daughter won't ride with us in that minivan. She has a favorite name for it, which I won't say on the air. But, you know, I, I learned to be content. It was that driving discontentment about vehicles cost us 
tens of thousands of dollars we don't want to think about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was a good lesson to learn and um, that God has been faithful too. that van has lasted. You know, sometimes I think you wish that it was time for something different Not right now. But, but uh, it's it's just been a, an example of God's faithfulness through the contentment, too. All right. So as we learn to be content, and that's something that Paul said in Philippians four eleven through 13, he learned to be content whether things were good or bad, whether he was hungry or full. Uh, he learned to be content, and, and that was what we're talking about today. And really in business, we're talking about setting that standard, saying here's how much our reasonable standard of living is going to be, and anything over and above that, we're going to not increase our standard of living, but we're going to increase our standard of giving. Because that's where the real contentment came in, is when we started to give over and above, we just started to give more away. And that brought such joy, such Really, it, it just fed our contentment because we knew, okay, we're living at a reasonable pace, and we don't live like paupers, but we're living at a reasonable pace, and we're blessing other people instead of increasing our status of living. Yeah, and I think that especially if you own a business and have employees, um, if you can create some kind, we've had guests on before that have talked about that, where they have a fund that the employees get to help decide how to give that money away. So if as a company you can decide um, to set aside or above and beyond a certain amount that you make in a year you're going to give away, and then they can see what the value of that is as well, too, and learn to be content. Well, I think what Gibbs Wilson also did with Alpha Omega Title over there in Tampa, he, he said, I set aside a portion of the profits, and for those high performers, those people with great attitudes, he shared the profits of the business with them so he could keep good quality employees in his business. Mm-hmm. So not only did they increase the status of living and, and giving away, excuse me, increase the status of giving and giving it away in the community, but he also increased his giving to his people to keep his good quality people there, because good people are hard to find. Well, and that kind of goes with that whole, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Oh, how do, you, what do we learn about that? <laughs> what do we learn? There's we, probably a leaky septic tank over there. Yeah, that was something I like, grew up. Every, you know, and I, I can tell you, I was guilty of that. We always looked at the other side of the fence. You're like, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Many times I jumped that stupid fence and I realized, oh, well, the reason it's greener over here is the septic tank's been leaky forever. Mm-hmm. Just as many problems on the other side of the fence as on your side of the fence. But if you if you encourage contentment in your employees as far as working there, then they're not always seeking, oh, where else could I be happier? But how can I be good at what I'm doing here? There's, so there's value in that. But the truth is... You're never be happy. There's never enough. If you're in pursuit of stuff, whether it's money or possessions or cars or homes or relationships, how many is enough? Just a little bit more. All right. My cousin, Francis Pash, she's actually my mom's first cousin. My second cousin, Francis Pash, wrote a book called Double Vision. And in there, she writes poems. She's been writing poems forever. This is a poem she wrote about contentment. Today, my mind is cluttered with unimportant things, forgetting all the blessings that loving Jesus brings. Letting things take up my time that really aren't worthwhile tends to make me negative and robs me of my smile. So if I want his perfect peace, I'll take my eyes off me and keep in mind his promise. My grace is sufficient for thee. Francis Pash. What a great, what a great verse on just learning to be content. Martha, how do we, how do we start pursuing contentment? What's, when's the best time to start? Today. What's a good way to start? Um, praying about it. 
I think, you know, really deciding that uh, you want to make a difference and you want to have a heart change in your own life. And and you can do that by by praying for asking God for his help. You know, I I think that it's so getting started, just actually looking at your regular spending, your your, where your where your money's going and recognizing where your discontent shows. If you look at the last five years of your spending, does your discontent show in the food you eat and where you live and what you drive and the clothes that you wear? Or does your discontent show and you can't give enough away? We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him.